This is Veteran Friendly, a podcast about what it means to support veterans and military families. Your hosts come from the Office of Military Affairs at the University of North Carolina, Wilmington. Joanna DeMott, our military program liaison, is a military spouse and human resources professional. And Melanie Nelson, our military student services liaison, is a military veteran and a military family member, as well as a university instructor. You may contact us at veteranfriendlypodcast.gmail.com with insights about what it means to be veteran-friendly. Hi, Joanna. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Melanie. It's, uh, it's getting a little cooler here in North Carolina uh, before the, uh, the big spring push. But uh, I'm doing well. I have a day off. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful time of the year. How about you, Melanie? I'm likewise doing well in spite of the pollening, which has happened. And we're in our like pre-Easter chill. It always gets like super cold. And I just had flowers starting to come up and it's just depressing, really. Um, but that's okay because we have exciting things to talk about today. We absolutely do. I'm super excited for our guest today, Nick Drake. Uh, North Carolina National Guard member and the NC State Director of Military and Veteran Services. How are you today, Nick? I'm doing good, Joanna. Uh, thank you for having me today. We are excited to hear more about what NC State does for their military-affiliated students. So what, what do you guys do? Yeah, so, you know, again, I'm fortunate here in, in this capacity. We've had uh, military and veteran services now for just about four and a half years. Um, but, but like many schools, our, we're tasked with providing program services, necessary resource connection for our military-connected students. So here at NC State, we have uh, roughly 2,400 military-affiliated students. It's self-identified, so uh, just over 850 self-identify as a veteran or service member, and then an additional 1,400-plus uh, uh, would identify as either a spouse or a child of a veteran here at NC State. That's fantastic. And I know you guys do wonderful things. Our organizations are very similar in, in age and it's always wonderful to collaborate. You guys do some really fun things. One of the things I really like that you do that I'd love for you to chat more about is your student ambassador program. Yeah, sure thing. So, I, it, you know, we've had these conversations before and, and Joanna, you and I have had these conversations about the role that the student veterans organization or association on a campus, what role do they play? Um, you know, and at times it can be difficult in terms of continuity when you have students that come and go, they graduate, uh, making sure that there's a, you know, there's a good handoff of, of responsibility for a group like that. And a, kind of an angle that we have taken here to kind of continue that continuity and make a sustainable program is to create our college veteran ambassador program. Um, this program here, we're in semester one. Uh, but these students are also part of our Student Veterans Association here on campus. Uh, but these ambassadors are identified student veterans uh, within each college here at the university. And they are an advocate for us. They're also kind of a pipeline that, that helps increase our level of communication and connectivity with our specific service members and their families in each individual college. Uh, and we started seeing some, some really good success with that here in, in really the first semester. Um, and kind of what we want to do long term is to expand this to include um, 
not just the veterans, but the service member, uh, family members as well. Uh, but we want to have a representative, at least one at the undergraduate level and the graduate level within each college. Um, so they help us uh, this semester too. They've helped with a lot of the uh, programming that's going on in each of those colleges. So again, uh, they have connection to the resources in those colleges and they're helping with a lot of the coordination of some of these events uh, and getting the word out. And we've started seeing some good returns kind of on that investment so far. But we're very excited to get back in person next year and see what we can do. Yes, we are all very, very excited to get back on campus safely, of course. And I, I really do find that program intriguing and a way to really have that peer mentorship and have it done organically and by their field of study. So that's really, that's really amazing. Uh, you guys do a lot of fantastic things for your military affiliated students. What is your role in particular? How do you support the, the students or the, the program? Yeah, so, so in my role, so I, I guess to kind of lay the framework a little bit. So there, there are two of us professionally here at NC State that work uh, 100% of our job duties and responsibilities are to serve our military connected uh, population. So there's, there's Daniel Hackley, my colleague who works in, uh, falls under the registration and records umbrella. Uh, so he is our, is an assistant registrar. He is in charge of ensuring that the, the uh, application of the veterans education benefits that side of the house uh, is taken care of. And a lot of that administrative paper, paperwork that would have to do with residency and military credit articulation um, are all gonna fall to Daniel's side. Now on my side of the house, uh, as the Director of Military and Veteran Services, we are a department that falls under the Division of Academic and Student Affairs. So um, our role is gonna be a little bit different in how uh, we apply programs. So we are charged with designing programs, um, designing, or I, I shouldn't say designing, but uh, enhancing services and then connection to resources both on campus and in the community to ensure that our students, um, once they are here, they persist on through to graduation. And then ultimately um, ensuring that they have a good transitional plan as they go out of NC State into the workforce. Um, big thing that we see here and in what we've dealt with, especially over the last couple of months are the prospective students. So of course, admissions decisions just went out too. So you, you know, we start fielding a lot of the phone calls of, you know, some students that that may have just missed the, you know, missed the uh, getting in as an applicant this semester. So we kind of work with those students as well to take a look at what they've already done, kind of their, you know, their portfolio of work, so to speak, and we try to help kind of create a pathway. So if NC State is where they want to be. Uh, we try to work with them to ensure that they have the, the requisites that they need. Uh, they're meeting the GPA requirements and we'll work with both admissions and the individual colleges to ensure that we have the right information to make them a competitive applicant coming here to NC State. So you're really serving students from uh, pre-admission all the way through their career transition, which is fantastic, a, a, full, a full program to make sure that our uh, military affiliated students are successful before, during, and after graduation. Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's fantastic. We share those goals. Mm -hmm. Well, and I, I think to this joint, and you know, we've had conversations and you all are doing in similar and great things, right? And, and uh, we get a lot of good ideas from you all as well and what you're doing. And, you know, I think part of this is we talk about the admissions process. And that's one thing we've struggled here, you know, quite candidly is being transparent in what those pathways look like for military connected, uh, 
students or applicants coming in here. So I, I legitimately just had a conversation, 20 minute conversation with a student today that was denied uh, applicant or denied admission. And you know, one of the things that's a little still disheartening, we're getting better, but it just shows that we're not there yet is, you know, calling to the admissions office and having a conversation that, you know, there wasn't a lot of tangible takeaways. Okay, I'm, this is where I'm at right now. You've seen my body of work. What do I need to do if I apply again next semester or the following semester to ensure that I'm competitive and have a chance at getting in? And the answer was very vague. So, you know, part of that is having continued conversations with the entire admissions team. We do have an admissions rep, which is good because I've been able to hash that out and get that information. Uh, but it kind of goes back to, you know, as we start transitioning into what we call military friendly is ensuring that we are, you know, in application, there is an understanding and we're being, you know, very transparent uh, and communicating these pathways to the students early on so that they can apply competitively. I love that you're constantly looking for ways to expand on your programs and to really touch the population and your knowledge of what the population needs and does is, is really, uh, it's really important. And I think what I, in our conversations, we keep saying in our conversations previously, which I hate doing on podcasts, but you have real great support in your, at NC State for the things that you like to do. What is your favorite thing about working at, for NC State? Yeah, so uh, I think I think for me, you know, it's just I've worked at three institutions. This is the first one in, in this capacity is, you know, it's serving the military population. Uh, but what I love about NC State is the community that it brings. Just living in Raleigh, um, you know, there's a lot of school spirit, a lot of pride. And I think you see that kind of permeate over in, into even the veteran community um, because of NC State. I don't have to sell NC State for what it is. You know, it's not me trying to sell them. Um, my job here is to try to make it easier, break down some of the barriers to make it easier for military folks to get here to NC State. Um, but I think along those lines is really this is when we talk about top down support, uh, this is one of the first universities that I feel like I've, I've been associated with that really that is the truth. Like you can you can go up and if you, you know, you uh you make a suggestion, a best practice uh, suggestion that's going on, in, you know, nationally, a lot of times it's not like, well, you know, we'll brush it under the rug or we'll come back to it later, but it's okay. You've got the ideas, you've got a plan in place. Let's get the players at the table and start having conversations of how we can be better, you know, whether it's something, and I say it's simple, but whether it's something of, you know, like waiving admissions fees for applications, you know, for veterans or giving, priority registration. Those are two small examples. I feel like everybody should be doing that, you know, based on our understanding. Uh, but it's those kind of things that if we advocate and we have those conversations, the support is there. They're not saying, no, we can't do that because as soon as we do, then it's going to open Pandora's box and we've got to do it for this group and this group and this group. But as long as you come to the table with the information, you know, in the, the reason why, um, they're willing to have those conversations and they've been very, you know, accommodating in terms of you know, making a lot of those concessions that make us more military friendly. So it sounds like one of the challenge, you do not have a challenge of getting top level support for your programming at NC State. Do you have, what are your challenges? Are there any other challenges you face building an inclusive environment on campus? So as you, as you know, right. And I, you know, and I, I think I speak to the choir and this with higher ed professionals, but a university like NC State is huge. We just talked about the colleges earlier and we've got you know, a 
seven, eight, nine colleges here, depending on how you look at it. And you have several different departments and players on campus. It's this siloed type of, of feel, right? That there's a lot of good things going on at the university and there's a lot of good things that would benefit our military connected uh, population. But a lot of times we don't hear about it until after the fact, or they're not thinking ahead to say, hey, maybe Nick and Daniel should know about this so that we can share this. Because again, I, I think this kind of goes back to what I had mentioned earlier that you know, when you have directors, you have program coordinators or, or administrators in general, that we send stuff out all the time. So students get inundated with information all the time. At the university, they get inundated, but sometimes having a little bit more of that personal connection. So we have more of a personal connection to the military population. We're trying to take that a step further by uh, the college ambassadors, by the peers starting to get this information out. I think we need to look at that as more of an approach here at NC State that, you know, good things are happening. There's great programs and they would be well suited for, for our military affiliated students to get comfortable or at least know we're out there so they can reach out to us and, and allow us to, to get that information out for them. So that's a, that's a big challenge. So it's wonderful. It's a bridge. I, I picture these silos and these little bridges going in between all the silos and it's a bridge both back and forth between your office and the in uh, each of the colleges too. That's amazing. Um, I do love an awkward transition, so I'm just going to turn you right over to Melanie. <laughs> nice. Thank you, Joanna. I love receiving your awkward transitions. Was that weird? That was a weird thing to say. <laughs> so, okay. So I'm hearing a couple of very interesting things here. Um, as you mentioned, we like to share ideas back and forth. This is the whole reason we're hosting this podcast so that I can steal ideas. I'm loving the student ambassadors idea because I think we... We all know that student veterans and other military connected students in particular really rely on word of mouth, right? And not my word of mouth. They don't want to hear it from me. They want to hear it from another student. They're not going to trust me until they hear it from another student that I'm okay to trust, right? And that, and that you know, yeah, you can just ask Melanie and she'll help you. Um, so I love the idea that these student ambassadors are able to kind of like and, you know, Joanna's picturing a bridge. For some reason, I'm picturing like a little rocket thruster, like in the Mandalorian, and then like popping out little parachutes and dropping nice. down in the silos. I don't know what's going on in my head today, right? There's a lot of action there. But that sounds like a really great idea to get the students out and about and like scouting out information and then bringing it back to you. And then you can dispense it in one of your wonderful emails that the students get way too many of and all of that, right? I love that idea. And I love too the idea of, of just continuity. You know, we forget sometimes that our student veterans are coming to us for maybe just a couple of semesters before they graduate. By the time they transfer in all their credits, they are like at the upper level of their coursework and they are maybe with us for two or three semesters in some cases before they graduate and go off to do great things. So the quicker we can hook them, by connecting them with these student ambassadors, the quicker uh, we can get them accessing all the resources that they are going to your institution for. You know, sometimes they're like, oh, well, I'm just here to take classes. And it's like, you are missing so much when you Absolutely. do that. Yes, yes. And it's, it's like, it just kills you. You know, you're like, but if you would just listen to me for one minute and just try this activity, I promise it'll be amazing. So yeah, I'm loving that idea. Um, and then you know, you've mentioned something interesting about admissions because we have also, I, I was just sending out our welcome emails today to all the students who are admitted recently. Um, and I did hear from a student who said, you know, I'm, I, 
I didn't get in this time and I, I'm really ready to work hard and I'm really ready to raise my GPA once I'm in. And it's like, right, but we, you know, there's standards and you haven't met the standard yet. And here's your pathway. And our admissions team is great. And you're working with yours to get that pathway identified and it's individualized, right? Everybody wants something different. Everybody's at a different place. I think sometimes another thing we forget about student veterans and I'm going to be I'm, I'm going to make some like wild stereotypes and generalizations here and that's okay we know that we work with the student we have in front of us and whatever. Um, but we have to remember that sometimes people went into the military because they weren't quite ready for college right and then you know two years four years six years later. You're not necessarily a better candidate for college, even though you have access to the GI bill right you're not necessarily ready for that four year degree program yet. And that's why we have all these pathways to excellence where you can start off at a community college program and build your skills and get comfortable and figure out whether you even want that four-year degree. Like, you know, it's this paradoxical thing where I, I just want what's best for each veteran. And that may or may not be a degree that we offer. And so it's tough sometimes to look at a student who's like, no, but I, I, I want the GI Bill and I've got it and I'm ready to use it. And maybe they really did want to go to college all along and they're just not quite there yet. So it, it requires an extraordinary amount of sensitivity to have that conversation. Like you said, 20 minutes of reassurances yeah. and of saying, no, you can do this. It might take you a little bit longer, but look around. There are every single student out of our 2,300, 2,400 students they're all taking a different path here and that's okay. And it's hard sometimes to get people to understand that a four-year degree doesn't have to look like a traditional four-year degree if you're not a traditional student. Yeah. You're right. That's yeah. a very good point. And I think we've had those conversations a lot because it's uh, luckily, you know, I think that's from at least our lens, Daniel and I are both community college grads. So, you know, having the opportunity to have that conversation, I think it can, it personalizes it a little bit more for them to say, hey, this is an example. I had to do it mainly because I, you know, like some of our, our veterans, they may go to school and, you know, their priorities aren't necessarily on school and the, the grades aren't exactly where they need to be. And they went in the military and their body of work since then has, has proven that they are capable of doing it. And sometimes it's, you know, one or two classes we're missing and sometimes it's just not enough credits. And, you know, those things we can work through. If you want to be here, here is the pathway you uphold your end of the bargain and you will be competitive as you come in here. So, yeah. Totally. yeah. There's a little bit of false advertising, I think, with the post 9-11 GI Bill because yeah. everybody earns it, right? Just by, just by existing in the military for a few years, right? Yeah. And it's a wonderful, incredible benefit, but we don't want you to waste it. We want you to put it to best use for you, right? And again, if you wanna be here, you want one of these awesome programs at the beach, in our case, the beach is what sells us, yeah. or you want that that NC State label, um, then you can earn it, right? But it, it's gonna take a little bit and it's gonna take a little bit of extra effort in some cases, not because what you were doing in the military or in your previous body of work, as you said, isn't valuable. It's just not college, right? College is college. It's 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 a it's its own thing. It's so difficult to get, you know, we we meet sometimes with like transition coordinators on different bases and and it's it's tough to kind of get over this hurdle of like, well, you have the GI Bill, so yeah, you can just go to college. Um, and and kind of opening up that world of options. There are so many options these days and there's so much research to be done. Absolutely right. Um, so you've mentioned connecting to the community, right? So you have your ambassadors to connect all the campus resources. What are your like top three favorite resources for veteran or military family supportive organizations in your area? 
Yeah, so it is a great question. And we use a lot from time to time. I know we use Hire Heroes USA a lot just because we have a personal relationship with, with both Carmen and then Julianne was our coordinator here uh, previously. So again, it goes hand in hand with uh, you know, work that we're doing. A lot of our students, as we looked at kind of the needs assessments here at NC State, uh, one of the biggest things that they wanted assistance with or wanted more information or involvement in was that transitional piece from NC State out into the workforce. Um, so that is a logical, you know, a logical place for us. Um, you know, Joanna has a relationship with whole vet and Melanie, you, you probably as well with Dal. And that's a, a newer nonprofit organization that helps, again, connect students uh, to these employers. Uh, but a lot of times we like to take it a step further and, and it kind of goes to what Dal is, is creating and, and is launching with you all, you know, and part of this is the voice of the veteran and starting these mentorship programs. Uh, for us, and, and we've had this conversation a lot, right? Um, you know, traditional students, we see it, but it happens with the veteran community as well, where sometimes we wait until the last minute where we're, uh, you know, a, a second semester or a second, you know, senior, we're, we're two semesters, one semester out from graduation, and we still haven't made those meaningful connections and networks. Uh, so by doing these types of programs or these types of activities, we're trying to, again, nudge them, as you said, Melanie, earlier, um, we see the value. We need them to understand the value of these co-curricular experiences and ensure that they're getting involved in some of these, you know, these things earlier on in the process. Uh, so that would be one as well. Uh, and then we've worked with a lot of different organizations. So we've been connected, uh, you know, obviously to NC Strive throughout the time in that educational component. Um, you know, I like the concept of NC Strive. Uh, sometimes the, the challenges with those uh, you know, those specific elements, sometimes we get a little bit more pigeonholed in this, into trying to make those more for the uh, providers such as ourselves uh, that are serving the veteran community. Um, but I would like to see that group continually push the envelope on how do we get more student involvement because that's the audience that needs to hear it or the, you know, the faculty and staff at the universities because that is based off of the student transition experience in higher ed. Um, getting them to be more culturally competent and aware of some of the potential challenges or the culture, the military culture, if you will. That's where really truly, as we start transitioning the military friendly, to me, that's where we sometimes miss the boat and can do better. We can all check boxes of, you know, on surveys that say we do this and we do that, you know, but when it comes down to the meat and potatoes of it, are we really are we really doing everything we are supposed to be doing in terms of educating the campus community, the local community on, you know, some of the benefits that students bring to the campus. So I think organizations like that are very powerful and impactful for us, uh, you know, here at NC State. Yeah, I think NC Strive, uh, once things went virtual, I think they really found a new way to reach Absolutely. exact audience you're talking about. I had a student stop by this week and he was like, do you know anything about NC Strive? And I was like, sure. And we talked about it. He's like, well, I'm kind of signed up for this like job fair with them, but I don't know what it's going to be like. And I was like, how about you click and find out, right? You give it a try. And then I was like, you know, once you're in there, if you're really serious about seeking a job, make sure you like do use the private chat feature or just like identify yourself. And then they actually came back to me and they said, well, I went back and actually I did, I did make some connections. I put myself, I, I told them, I was like, you got to put your big boy pants on and boy, veterans don't like it when you say that to them. And that, that got them riled yeah. up. And then he went and actually did what I told them to do. It was amazing. Um, so, so yeah, NC Strive's a good one. 
you know, with that two million, I, and I get to think, and I think this goes back to philosophically where I struggle with it a little bit more. We, in this area, we, we do a lot of great things again. And I think sometimes the messaging, being more sensitive to the messaging, when I hear career fair, and I, I'm just speaking personally, and, and also, you know, from feedback that we've heard, when you hear military uh, career fair, or career fair for veterans, to me, that's more of like, I hear hiring fair. So I need to have everything. I need to come. I'm going to be interviewing. That stuff is great. But I feel like, again, we're, we're going from point A. We're putting really the cart before the horse, so to speak, that our students aren't necessarily ready to be here at the career fair. So what can we do in terms of backing it up and ensuring that, you know, they build the network connections earlier. So they're starting to meet these folks. So I think of Deloitte, you know, Deloitte, we've had a good relationship with ARA as a local. We're going to start doing, uh, you know, industry days with them and campus visits where students that are in the majors that they're looking for, you know, veterans and military families um, that are in those majors or those colleges, we're going to put them in front of them here in a more informal setting. And then we're going to take them onto their campus as well so that they can start exploring that, learning more about the company, learning more about what they need to do to be successful. And at the same time, concurrently, this is where Hire Heroes comes in or, you know, our, our campus, the Career Development Center does a phenomenal job too. But again, that niche population, right? Sometimes getting out in the community is where we can fill in some of those gaps that we may have here in terms of serving them. Um, but those to me are more impactful than a hiring fair per se, because a lot of our students aren't quite at that hiring fair and they're ill-prepared. And the first time they show up and have a meeting is being ill-prepared, no fault of really their own. We've just skipped one, two, three, and went right to four. So, you know, those are the types of things that we're trying to be, you know, better about here too in, in the way that we program and message things. So. Yeah, a lot of it is that, um, you know, we, we're always talking about peeling back the hidden curriculum of the university, but you have to peel back the yeah. hidden mechanisms of the hiring process. And I was talking with this same student about, uh, he started talking about how he had been applying for jobs that wasn't getting this, that, and the other. And we started talking about what does your resume look like and what has your cover letter looked like and what have you been doing? And it turned out that he had not quite been achieving the standard that was probably needed to get his foot in the door. But until they are ready to have that conversation with us, we can hawk all the advertising. I mean, every week I get at least one notification of another virtual hiring fair. And I'm like, you have the same five companies every time. Like how many jobs do they have going begging right now? I don't understand. Yep. Um, but, it, and I know our, our university also does um, something called Career Fest that is more exploratory in nature. So they get alumni to come and represent their company and talk. But again, you have to like, it's almost like you have to treat them like they're college freshmen, like they're traditional and give them a little scavenger hunt sheet and yeah. say, I need you to talk to at least five employers today. And I want you to ask the following questions at every single table. Um, that's how you get the freebies, by the way. They're not gonna hand over your little free stuff until you ask them questions. Absolutely. Uh, if, if any students are out there listening, that's how you get all the free stuff. You can't just walk up and take it. Someone will yell at you. Okay, that's probably not true. But anyway, I just like to threaten people into behaving the way I want them to at any point. It, it doesn't always work. Um, but yeah, I think you're absolutely right. We have, we have a lot of work to do in exposing how the hiring process actually works, right? And our students sometimes need to remember, like we've done this before, we've been there, we've done that. We have been on the hiring side and the hire and the being hired side, and we know what works and what doesn't. So 
Yeah, there's just a lot, a lot of learning that student veterans and the military family members have to do. So it's a good thing they're in college, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's a good place for learning. Um, is there anything else you would like our audience to know about the work that NC State is doing, the work that you're doing, anything that we haven't already talked about? Yeah, so I, I think that the big thing for us, and you know, it's this again is trial and error, best practice, what are other schools doing? Um, but kind of the approach we take here is really community building. So you know, a lot of the formal type programs. Uh, so for instance, like a the orientation program. Some some schools have very, very good success with formalized programs, meaning they have very structured speakers and presentations and things like that. We've done it and, you know, we've seen, we've gotten good feedback from it, but we try to take more of an informal approach here and try to build the community first. What we're really trying to do is build their trust. If we can build their trust, then we can start having those lines of communications a little bit better. So. You know, we, we kind of made that mistake coming out guns ablazing when we first did this and put a lot of time and resources into it. And by all accounts had a pretty successful event, but as we started to see through the day is, you know, kind of dwindling out and, and folks just getting tired of power, death by PowerPoint, just as we are with Zoom. So, you know, we've tried to create those opportunities. But for us, a lot of our focus too is, is now trying to identify our alums on the other end of that and keep our alumni uh, you know, tied back to NC State in a meaningful way. And we're trying to start that if students come through now because we have, you know, up until four years ago, really missed that audience. And they've kind of they've graduated and they've left. And, and now we're trying to tie them back in meaningful ways, keep them connected. Because I think it goes back a lot to, uh, you know, really what we were talking about earlier with the networking uh, aspect. And, you know, we talk about giving back that way where students can get connected and get opportunities. So. Those are, you know, those are some of our focus areas. All right, very good. I'm gonna hand you back to Joanna for our final question. Very good, thank you, Melanie. Okay, my favorite question. Uh, we hear a lot about being veteran friendly. And so I would like to know what that term means to you. Yep, so uh, this one, and this is, this is one that I, I don't struggle with it at all, but I, I struggle when you start seeing surveys or you fill out surveys, we talked about it earlier and we check boxes. And you know, some of those survey questions, it's, it's not necessarily do you do it, yes or no. If people wanna manipulate some of those responses, they can in certain ways that would make you look that way. For me, um, you know, we, we talk about getting, uh, getting a dedicated support staff here at the university that's 100% dedicated to this population is a big step in that direction. Getting the dedicated facilities is a big step in that direction. But I think the most important aspect of being military friendly is it is not a one office uh, you know, job function. It is really is a community, like a campus community uh, function, meaning that you can't do it you know, in here. We can advocate until we're blue in the face, but if programs aren't happening, um, if veterans are coming here like you know, today and they're, they're getting ambiguous answers or not clear answers, we still have work to do because that should be clear, no doubt about it, that if a student doesn't get into the university, um, that if they call and ask, they should get a clear answer on that. And I think from a veteran standpoint, uh, we need to do better in that area. Now, as part of the functions of these offices, you know, we've talked about it earlier with establishing program services and, and being someone to connect to resources. I think one of our biggest job functions, and some of us I think would, would probably, you know, might even do this better, and I don't think we're there yet, is, is the advocacy piece. 
So, you know, when we talk about what is a best practice and what we should be doing, again, going to the table, presenting the data, so data-driven decisions, and talking to the folks that can actually make these, you know, these, you know, lasting changes on the campus. But I think we have a big obligation as professionals in here to advocate. And part of that is advocating new policies that are veteran friendly and military friendly. Um, and then also educating our campus community. So part of this is green zone training, but I think it's even a step further in, in um, providing again, that cultural competency type training that, you know, there's sometimes there's some unique uh, perspectives to being a military family member. And it's not just veterans, right? We talk about veterans and, you know, we have tried, tried we are working hard to be better because the way that we frame some of our wording and some of our, um, you know, messaging can be, it can be, uh, it can be prohibitive for, you know, the population that we serve, right? So when we talk about military and veteran, what does that mean? Who do we serve? Um, so I think all of that is part of it as well, that we can serve veterans well, but if we don't serve the spouses and the children well, then we can't really say we're military friendly because they all go hand in hand. Um, that's so right. I think that's kind of, you know, it's kind of a roundabout area, but I think that that's the big piece to it for us. I love it. You're, you're talking about inclusivity. So being a part of the conversation without having to be in the room. And that's, uh, that's important. So yeah, I, I love your, your ideas around there. My least favorite thing is to go somewhere as a military spouse and for somebody to say, of course, when we say veterans, we mean military spouses too. Yeah. No. Wrong yeah. answer. Yeah. <laughs> that's the wrong answer. That's right. That's a completely different population with similar, similar interests. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I love that. I love your definitions. Uh, thank you so much for coming on today. It's been such a pleasure. Um, I really enjoy our conversations and collaborations and this extension of it has been amazing. I appreciate it. Thank you, Joanna. Thank you, Melanie. And we do, we still got to do the beach trip. I tell you, we'll come out there. We'll come out there in the summer, fall time frame. We'll do it. Absolutely. We will have lots of working meetings uh, at, at a location that has lots of sand. Let's put it that way. Um, but that isn't, that isn't the, yeah. So anyway, sand and water. So... This has been an episode of Veteran Friendly. Thank you for listening. Veteran Friendly's music comes from the band Blue Turnip and their song, What Do You Want From Me? You can find their EP, Songs from the Root Cellar, on Bandcamp, iTunes, Amazon, and Spotify. For more information, visit blueturnipmusic.com.